0: So, I'd like you to turn to one of the most amazing passages and wonderful passages you'll ever read in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 19 this morning. If you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, that's page 1,352. Colossians chapter 1. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word in a powerful way. May we know you better. And in knowing you better, may we serve you more. Be first place in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no one like Jesus, would you agree? He is absolutely unique. He is the one and only, nobody like him in all of history, and nobody ever will be. And I want you to notice what is said of Jesus in this text this morning. So deep, so profound. Look at verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, Paul writes, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Man, there is so much information there about the Lord Jesus. Just profound truths about the person of Jesus Christ. And you know, our our brains aren't big enough to take it all in. How do we put all that ocean into our little cups, right? But I want to try. Let's attempt to understand what we can, and let's dive in. I want you to notice first that this passage clearly teaches that Jesus is God. He is fully divine. He's deity." It says in verse nine for 19, "For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So all the fullness. Dwells in Jesus Christ. Fullness of what? Deity. Jesus is fully, holy, 100% God. And that was true in his incarnation. Jesus is God become flesh. Jesus, the man, was also Jesus God fully, 100% God. In fact, Paul makes that very clear in Colossians chapter 2 when he writes, and I quote, for in him Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You can't get any more clear than that. So everything about this passage is reinforcing the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 15 it says he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. That Greek word for image is icon. I remember years ago I had a, a Nikon camera. It was an icon model. And it had that weird stuff that was in the cartridge and rolled up and you anybody remember what that stuff's called? Film, I think is what it was called. (laughs) But it took these great images, these great pictures. That word icon might make you think of those silly statues that some people worship that represent saints. Or maybe it's those things that you double-click on your computer screen that represent applications. All of those examples sort of... uh, Describe what this word icon mean. It means to show something. To give a picture. Or it means to represent. Or to reveal. Jesus in the incarnation. Showed us God. He let us see God. As it says there God is invisible. Nobody's seen God but Jesus has made God visible in fact I remember that time in the upper room when Philip said to Jesus Lord show us the father and it's sufficient for us and Jesus said to him have I been with you so long and let let you yet you have not known me Philip he who has seen me has seen the father can you imagine those guys walking around with Hanging out with, eating with God, and what they what they must have thought later when they understood, He shows God, and more than that, Icon says, it goes deeper. He it says, it's a word that means to reveal completely. Jesus reveals God completely. In John chapter 1, it says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Literally uh, preached him, shown him, revealed him. So if you want to know exactly what God is like, who he is, and what matters to God, then simply study the life of Jesus Christ, and you'll find out exactly who God is and what he's like. I've always loved the story of the little boy who was drawing pictures on the floor one day and his mother was working. And she said to him, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And he said, they will when I get through. (laughs) Think of the life of Jesus as God drawing a picture of himself from bethlehem to his life's work when that life was finished men will know exactly what god is like jesus is divine and he shows god to all of us You notice also in this passage that it very clearly says that Jesus is the creator. He's the creator of all things. In fact, that second phrase in verse 15 where it says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Now, there's a lot of confusion over that phrase. Um, Many cults, in fact, a Jehovah Witness will take you to this very verse and say, See, Jesus was created. He was born into creation. And that is absolutely false. Jesus has always existed. That term firstborn can mean being born physically first in a family. I'm firstborn in my family. And certainly Jesus was the firstborn son physically to Mary and Joseph. So it can mean that. But that term firstborn also means a bestowed honor or status or superiority. In the Old Testament, the son designated as firstborn was the heir, the major heir. Got all the status in the family. And that was usually given to the son who was born first physically, but not always. Esau was born first, Jacob was born second, Jacob was given the status of firstborn. Manasseh was born first, Ephraim was born second, Ephraim was given the status of firstborn. Listen to what the Lord said of King David in Psalm 89, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. David was last born. He had so many older brothers. But God said, he'll be my firstborn. And of course, that psalm also points forward to the son of David, the ultimate king, Jesus, who is the firstborn, the king of kings. So that's all that it's saying. Firstborn is the position of honor, status, superiority. Jesus Christ has the highest honor. Over and above all of creation. And there's good reason for that because he created everything. He wasn't created. He's the creator. It says, verse 16, by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Jesus, in cooperation with the other two members of the triune Godhood, the Father and the Spirit, created everything in the heavens. Think of it, the immensity of the universe and all that we know now about how big it is, all the stars, the planets, the galaxies, Jesus made that. Jesus created everything upon the earth. That's what it's saying right here. The plant life, the animal life, the land, the ocean, all the insects. In fact, I read this week there are more insects in one square mile of rural land than there are human beings on the planet earth. I'm glad they don't unite against us, right? Think of all the different styles of plant life and insects and animals, and all the order. The Lord Jesus Christ created that. He created us, He created all people, He created the human race with such intricate design and detail. It says that all things were created by him, visible and invisible. Everything visible that you can see, Jesus created. Everything invisible, Jesus created. So think of things that are invisible, like love. You can't see love. You can feel it or you can see it in action. But Jesus invented love. Several different powers and dominions are mentioned there in verse 16. Thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. Most Bible scholars believe that speaking of all the different ranks within the angelic realm. There are millions of angels, millions that we can't see. Jesus created them. Jesus created All things. And I love what it says at the end of verse 16. All things were created through him and for him. Everything you see, visible, invisible, created by him, through him, and for him. Everything you see is here for Jesus, including you personally. Did you know that you were created for Jesus? To belong to him. To know him. To be one of his treasures. That's why you were created. Not only did Jesus create all things. But look what it says in verse 17. It says, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist. Literally, In Jesus Christ, everything is held together. So not only did he create all things, but he holds all things together. Hebrews puts it this way. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Listen, Jesus literally keeps the universe spinning. He holds all of the order together. In his book, The Atom Speaks, Dr. Lee Chestnut asked the question, what holds the nucleus together? Why doesn't it fly apart? And therefore, why do not all all atoms fly apart? He says there's an incredibly powerful force that holds proteins together within the nucleus. Scientists have dubbed that force the strong nuclear force. They can measure it, they can observe it, but they have no explanation as to why it exists. Is Christ holding all that together? That old song is so true. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. Look how Christ is described. Question, what if he relaxed his grip just a little? What if he let go? You know, one day he will. And it tells us in 2 Peter 3 that when he does, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And then he's going to create another heaven and earth which we'll live in with him for all of eternity. The Lord Jesus Christ. The one and only. Look what it also tells us about Jesus. In verse 18 it says he's the head of the body. The church, now I want you to, that's a mind blower too. The church is comprised of every single born-again Christian on planet earth. Every born-again Christian in Nepal, in Africa, here in America. The church universal is comprised of every single true local church on planet earth. And every Christian organization. And every Christian that makes up every church and every Christian organization all over planet Earth. The most common analogy in the New Testament that's used to describe the church is that of a body. We're all different members in the body. Jesus is the head of that body. And that means that Jesus is of highest rank in the church. Jesus is the source of the church. And as the head of the church, he's the leader of the church. He directs the church. And by the way, I take that very seriously as the pastor of a church. The Lord has placed me here to be a shepherd for this church, to occupy a position of leadership but please understand I'm a mere under shepherd to the good shepherd the best shepherd I believe that Jesus directs this church and I will tell you it is my desire along with our leadership to find out what Jesus wants us to do and any church worth its weight worth its salt should be absolutely committed to hearing from Jesus in the leading of a church. But think of it this way. The Lord Jesus Christ is intimately involved in and seeking to direct every single true Christian church on planet Earth, every single true Christian organization on planet Earth. There he is directing it all. And and you got a part in it. He's directing you as well, if you'll listen. Incredible. Verse 18, it says, He is the beginning. That's the Greek word arke. Literally, if you look it up, it means the first cause, going back to creation. The first cause. Jesus has always existed. And when there was nothing, he created something. The power of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, it says that he is the firstborn from the dead. Now, again, we come to that term, firstborn. And here it has nothing to do with chronology. It has everything to do, again, with status and honor. Jesus was not the first to be resurrected. Did you know that? There were people resurrected in the Old Testament. Jesus, before his crucifixion and resurrection, rose Lazarus from the dead. It's the position of honor. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest of all resurrections. And you want to know why? Because he was raised to life never to die again. In a glorified body, his resurrection is the first of the resurrection that all of the believers can experience and expect one day. A resurrection to new life. Everyone else that was raised from the dead, they died again. You know, you read the story of Lazarus. And I'm sure everybody was so excited when he comes out of that grave. Everyone, I think, except for Lazarus, he's probably thinking, Why did you bring me back here? Because he arose to die again, not Jesus, the firstborn. The greatest resurrection. And by the way, mentioning the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that Jesus died. And that's the biggest. Jesus really became man. The son of God really became man. And he really died. And our sins were placed upon him. And he died in our place. Fully God, fully man, the creator of all things. The creator of the wood that was turned into that cross. That's the biblical Jesus. That's the Lord and Savior that we know. And that's the one true Jesus. Now, question, why did Paul write this about Jesus in this passage to those Christians in that local church at Colossae? Well, I'll tell you why. Heretics had invaded that local church, spreading heresies about the person of Jesus Christ. And we know from historians and Bible scholars that um, there was a certain group of false teachers that first came on the scene in those days—a group called the Gnostics. These were the know-it-alls. These were the people that were said to have deep philosophical meaning and understanding into different things. And their basic premise was that all matter is evil; every body's evil; the earth. Everything on the earth is evil. The only thing that's good is the spirit. And so they went around teaching that, you know, Jesus was not a real man. Because a real God couldn't become a real man. Because a body is evil. So they're the ones that said Jesus was a phantom. And when he walked on the, on the beach, he left no footsteps no footprints in the sand, those types of things. But they also believed that the God who created earth and all of that had to be a God that was so far away because no God could create an evil earth. And so they taught in a series of what they said were emanations that came from God. Angels, different gods, until you would finally get to this God who would be so unlike the original God that he could create planet Earth. And that's kind of how they said Jesus was. And then they said, if you want to get saved, well, then you just have to climb the ladder back up to get to God. And you have to use our knowledge, our system, our genius... Just really bizarre. Sounds a lot like Scientology to me. The to the Gnostics, Christ was not Creator God. The incarnation was not real, and Christ was not enough. Well, look what Paul just wrote about Christ. He's not an emanation. He's God. He's not part of creation. He's the creator. Paul knew that Christians always need to stay rooted in the true biblical understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. And I would say to you, you need to stay rooted. You need to understand who Jesus is From the Bible. Don't believe everything you hear about Jesus on the streets, okay? Okay. Understand what the Bible says about Jesus. And by the way, there are still many heresies, many heretics, many people that want to come in and spread false information about Jesus. And just so you know, most heresies concerning Jesus fall into two categories. One, they either deny the humanity of Jesus, or number two, they either deny the deity of Jesus, both. The Bible says Jesus fully divine and fully human in his incarnation. So, in Mormon's view, Jesus and all other human beings and all angels existed in the distant past as the spirit offspring of our heavenly parents, God the Father and his wife. Jesus is simply our elder brother and the first of God's children to become a God himself. The Watchtower Society teaches that Jesus Christ was the first created being of Jehovah God. Jehovah God created Jesus as a divine-like spirit At some point in ancient pre-creation time, he was known as Michael the Archangel before coming to earth. According to both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus and Lucifer were spirit brothers. In Islam, Jesus is one of the five greatest messengers of God who are collectively known as the possessor of steadfastness. But Jesus is neither God nor the Son of God. Hinduism, Jesus is God, one of billions of gods. Buddhism, Jesus was an enlightened man. The New Age teaching, many are willing to consider the teachings of Jesus, but they speak about this force that they call the Christhood. And it's often described as something all of us could attain if we just went through their little system. In this sense, Jesus is seen as a man who completed a process of spiritual evolution over successive generations of reincarnation, becoming an enlightened master. So you'd say that weird thing called Gnosticism that I just explained. What's that? It's all over. Still, today, everywhere. And you're not to buy any of it. It's garbage. Know the real Jesus. The fullness of deity. The image, the exact representation of God. The creator of all things. The sustainer of all things. The head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. The one who became man and died for us. One more phrase. Look at the end of verse 18. It says, in all things, he may have the preeminence. Preeminence is a word that means in all things, everything that you can possibly imagine. Jesus is of highest rank, first place. Greatest honor. Is he preeminent in your life? Is he first place in your life? Have you given him first place? In your family, your marriage, your profession. Your mission, your ministry. Have you given him first place in matters of intellect? Is he got first place in time, in love? in conversation, in pleasures? Does he have first place in eating, in play, in athletics, in what we watch? Is he first place in art? Is he first place in music? Is he first place in your worship? He's preeminent. And we should spend our lives worshiping him. Serving him, seeking to make others aware of who he is and what he's done. Paul says this of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will bow. Do it now. Choose to do it. Because he's worthy. Amen? He's worthy. No one like him. Let's bow our heads. Lord, our minds... Our minds can't take it all in, who you are. And we are utterly amazed by what we can understand. Lord, you are to be preeminent in all things. And so I ask that you would be preeminent in this church. And I ask that you would be preeminent in our lives. Be first place. Perhaps with your head bowed, your eyes closed, maybe you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord. It's amazing how easy it is to let even the silliest things crowd out Jesus. Don't let anything crowd him out. Ask him to rightfully take up residence on the throne of your heart, return to him. You're here this morning and you have not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Think of who he is. Don't don't believe, again, what, what you hear out there on the streets. Understand what the Bible says. God became man and died for you. And rose again that third day. And your sins can absolutely be forgiven right now if you put your faith and trust in him. He is alive. He is directing the church. I believe he's right here. And he will save your soul right now for all of eternity. But he won't force his way in. If you've never received Christ, do so right now. Through a prayer of faith in your heart, pray Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. I am a sinner. Thank you for dying on that cross for my sins. Wash them away. Make me brand new. And help me to follow you all the days that you give me on on this planet. And Lord, I would pray that for all of us, that we would follow you with all that we are and have as long as you give us life on this planet. In Jesus' name, amen.